Welcome to the Beaver Bulletin, your new favorite weekly podcast from University University's The Tack. Here giving you all of the news and updates from the last week, I'm your host Colin Imhoff, and don't forget to go check out all of the other great articles that The Tack has to offer. Let's see what's on the bulletin board for this week, of February 28th, 2021. Today on the Bulletin Board, we've got an interview with the president of the Student Activities Board here at BVU, Dr. Seuss Book Sparking Controversy, and of course the event of the week, BVU Baseball's Rough Start. All of that and more to come on this week's episode of the Beaver Bulletin. If you want to learn more about any of these stories, scroll on down to the description and you can go check these articles out for yourself. Now for our first story. Our first story on the board is BVU Student Activities Board, or SAB. If you don't know, SAB plans all of the free fun activities on campus for students. However, this year with the pandemic, they've had to plan things a bit differently. I was able to sit down and talk with the president of SAB, Lauren Kalkowski, who provided us with some insight on how SAB has been planning events. My name is Lauren Kalkowski, and I'm the Student Activities Board president. Lauren, with everything, all the COVID restrictions and everything, what have been the challenges in planning events this year so far? I think our biggest challenge in planning events has been um, going virtual with them and then getting people to show up to the virtual events. Just because, um, like, say you have a comedian coming to campus, if it's in person, people are like, oh, cool, a comedian. But if it's on their screen, they're like, oh, I can just stay in my room and watch it. So still incorporating that getting students to get out of their room and get involved and go do things with their friends while it's still being virtual. Okay, how have you counteracted those challenges? We have tried doing more like grab and go um, events. So we set up a table in GSLC and have different crafts that they can take back to their room and do with their friends. And I think that's been really successful just cause um, we've tried acknowledging those things that college students like and that they are excited about. Um, And we've had a lot of success. I mean, we ran out of the past three events we've done, so. Do you want to provide some examples of like what type of stuff is like grab and go? Give some people some imagery. Okay, some imagery. Um, One weekend we did a vision board. So they just came in a kit and you got like the picture frame, different pictures to cut out. Um, the paper to glue everything onto and then you got glue markers and we provided like glitter glue and stickers that the students could take back to their rooms as well and so then you just kind of create your own vision board it came with scissors too so literally all the supplies you needed were in your kit so they didn't have to like stay in one location and us be worried about managing the crowds to keep everyone safe how do you think um, still having these events like affects the student body I think it still gives them a sense of normalcy, like they're able to go do events on campus just because like with athletics, we're not, all the students aren't able to go to a basketball or volleyball game or a track meet. They have to watch it from their room. And so I think this brings some sense of normalcy back to campus during COVID and just allows them to still get out, do something besides staying in their room and doing homework. Uh, What events do you hope to have in the future with um, some of these restrictions? Any new ideas or anything? So right now we're in the process of planning block party, um, which obviously did not happen last year just because we were all sent home. So with block party, I'm still hoping to get the normal block party feeling like being outside um, with all the students. And I think that'll be 
easier for us to plan just because it's outside. So, I mean, we have a ton more space outside than we do inside for events. So, um, hoping we can still play um, different yard games successfully and safely. And um, we're hosting a virtual concert. And so, um, we haven't done that yet necessarily. So, I'm hoping that goes over well. We're going to display it on the big um, blow-up screen that Student Success bought and hopefully people are still wanting to attend that even if though it's virtual. How have you guys been able to come up with ideas for all this virtual programming? Um, it takes a lot of thinking. Um, a lot of people have just, a lot of acts and people that we've already um, booked things with have had a virtual option so it hasn't been too hard. Um, in regards to like our comedians, magicians, and like the concert for block party. But um, coming up with new ideas on campus, it's been kind of um, nice having the different companies that we schedule things through have virtual options. So a lot of them have a ton of grab and go items already packaged up. And like, uh, so then we just sat down as a VP board and kind of decided what things we think our students here would enjoy and um, brainstorming and kind of getting word from the student body as well. Big thanks to Lauren for sitting down and talking with me. Keep an eye out to make sure you know when the next SAB events are so you can participate yourself. Next up on the board is the Old Storm Lake Elementary School. South Elementary is being turned into apartments to assist in the housing crunch. South Elementary was a K-4 school here in Storm Lake that only survived from the early 90s to about 2010. The school served about 250 students with around 20 teachers. The school was by no means large, but had plenty of open space that sat unused for almost a decade now. But now progress is being made as subcontractors continue to renovate the building. The gym has finally been torn apart as the old rusty basketball hoops can be spotted in the trash heap outside of the building. The plan is to turn the old elementary school into a two-story apartment building with roughly 37 one- and two-bedroom apartments. The building is looking to house roughly 80 people. The first floor is in the process of being raised, so plumbing can be run under the floors. The current plumbing in the building is rusted and unusable, so it is all being redone. This is good news for Storm Lake, as many residents have been struggling with housing in this pandemic. According to the contractors, the building is about 25% done, and signups will begin in July. Now to our third story on the board with Iowa's latest COVID reports. The COVID-19 pandemic started almost a year ago and is still yet to hit a wall. Here in the state of Iowa, on Thursday alone, 35 COVID deaths were reported along with 568 new cases. These numbers are lower than some past weeks, but with the way the vaccine is being distributed here in Iowa, it is scary to see these numbers still so high. Roughly 4% of the state of Iowa has been vaccinated with a heavy majority only having their first dose. Luckily, hospitalization numbers for coronavirus patients has dropped to only about 180. Hospitals are having a lot less problems filling up too fast since the vaccine distribution began. The vaccine is still only available to a select few here in Iowa, but is soon to expand. Tyson Foods all around the state plan to vaccinate all of their meatpacking workers in the following weeks. The question is, will the state have enough doses to vaccinate thousands of Iowa meatpacking plant workers? Is someone counting how many weeks in a row this is? No? Well, remember to keep wearing your mask and stay safe. Moving to number four on the board with Dr. Seuss books being pulled off the shelf and no longer being sold. On Tuesday, six Dr. Seuss books were discontinued and are now no longer being sold. This was done because the books included racist and insensitive imagery. The six books being pulled include, and to think that I saw it on Mulberry Street, If I Ran the Zoo, McElliott's Pool, On Beyond Zebra, Scrambled Egg Supper, 
and The Cat's Quizzer. These books cannot be found for sale on the official Dr. Seuss website or in retail stores. Dr. Seuss Enterprises announced this cease of sales, saying these books portray people in ways that are hurtful and wrong. Dr. Seuss books continue to sell as classics such as The Cat in the Hat and Green Eggs and Ham are currently on the Barnes & Noble's bestseller list. It is estimated that Dr. Seuss books made around $30 million in 2020. However, many disagree with the lack of representation among diverse races in the children's books and recommend other children's books. Dr. Seuss has been taken off many of the reading lists for some schools, and rumors have circulated that some districts may ban the books entirely. For now, the Dr. Seuss books that have not been discontinued are flying off the shelves. Coming to our fifth story on the board with a tweak being made to the COVID relief package in hope of a speedy pass through the Senate. The Democratic senators attempt to move forward with a now-revised COVID relief package. Many changes were made in hope to satisfy the more moderate senators. The vote to move forward with this plan was a split 50-50 with Vice President Kamala Harris citing to move forward with it to break the tie. This revised package provides more money for rural hospitals and provides more access to government programs. The Republicans are not expected to pass this new package, meaning that the Democratic Party will have to have a unanimous vote. This seems unlikely with the 50-50 split vote to push this package forward. Majority Senate Leader Chuck Schumer is still optimistic that they will be able to pass this package. Schumer says the Democrats will fight for this and not allow themselves to be silenced. The $1.9 trillion package is one of the largest spending bills in history, and it will need a unanimous vote from the Democratic Senate to pass. However, many experts still expect this bill to pass, but the question is how will it do in the House of Representatives? Final thing on the board is, of course, our event of the week, BVU Baseball's tough start to the season. Saturday and Sunday were the season openers for Beaver Baseball, and the defending American Rivers Conference champions did not start off so hot. The Beavers played Westminster College three times over the weekend, losing all three games. Game one had Mason Gelling on the mound for the Beavers, only giving up one earned run, but three errors for the Beavers gave Westminster enough to win the first game 6-4. Game two would only get worse for the Beavers as they would allow five runs in the opening inning. Dalton Glenn started on the mound for the Beavers but only lasted through two innings. The Beavers would drop game two, giving up 11 runs and losing 11-6. Game three on Sunday would be a much closer game for the Beavers. Braden Polzine wouldn't have a great outing for the Beavers, but the offense kept them in the game. The Beavers would go for 15 hits with a big two-run homer from Tyler Stoltz. Easton Barr, the number nine batter for the Beavers, would have three RBIs on the game as well. Unfortunately, the Beavers would still end up losing the game 10-9, but showed much more promise on the offensive side of the ball. Let's hope the Beavers' season will continue to move forward in a positive direction. That's all on the bulletin board for this week, folks. Make sure to come back next week for more great stories and updates. Remember, if any story interested you and you would like to read more, links to all of the articles are in the description. Also, don't forget to go check out more great articles from the TAC. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Beaver Bulletin. I'm your host, Colin Emhoff, and I'll see you all next week.